Jessica, thank you for reading a whole chapter. You had four readers. You had three assistants, so you did. Thank you, ladies of the McClintock family. If you do have, oh, if you do have a, um, if you did pick up a copy from our information table of sermon notes this morning, I, in all likelihood, will not get through the three uh, major points on your outline, but I do want to focus on the big idea of this passage, particularly in the first eight verses, and then uh, an application verse, verse 15, or the first nine verses, and then by way of application, <coughs> the encouragement to celebrate and to laugh in a very uncertain life. Wise hearts keep the king's commands, which are wisdom in the issuing, even when we do not understand. We keep with every word that proceeds from the king's mouth. We, we take it as guidance, counsel, wisdom to us, his servants, even when life doesn't make sense. Even when we see unfairness. Even when we see injustice. Uh, in this morning's Post and Courier paper, in the entertainment section, I noticed that uh, Woody Guthrie Jr. is getting ready to come to town. And I like his stuff. I like his, his music. I liked his father's uh, music. But the headlines were is that all of his life and all of his music bucks authority, questions authority, and seeks to overturn authority. Solomon would say no. Solomon would say no. Even in the unfairness and the injustice, follow the king that has been put over you. Even when you don't understand the rule, even though you don't understand why the king is permitting, allowing, or even legislating an action, follow the king. Submit your wisdom to his wisdom. Follow the king. Keep the king's wisdom and not your own. That's the message. But since I'm an ordained, trained, highly educated Presbyterian pastor, I know that you want more. Um, verse 1. Who is like the wise? What, what is a wise man or woman? Uh, what is a wise man or woman who knows the interpretation of a thing? Because that's what wisdom is. You're able to interpret particularly when a decision needs to be made, leadership needs to be given, steps need to be taken, and it's you need to understand the thing. It's that twist or turn. It's that unexpected event. Which way do I go? A man's wisdom and when it says man, it means a human being. It doesn't simply mean 
uh, it's not simply uh, male gender, it's women as well, makes his face to shine. His face is observably illuminated. First point. The look of wisdom is observable by others as poise. Now, I've thought about this word a lot. I thought about saying the look of wisdom is observable by other people in our life, in our neighborhood, in our recreation, in the workplace, in the classroom. Your face tells a story. Your face, a wise face, it says, shines. I thought about saying, well, it's a wise face shines because it's calm or it's confident. It's at peace. It's not arrogant. I thought about the word poise. Poise means balance. Poise means equilibrium, particularly in a storm. Two summers ago, my wife gave me a great, great gift of a vacation. We, <clears throat> we had tried on a number of occasions. We did not know that uh, as it was the spring of the year and we were talking about making plans for a, um, a, a week, two weeks vacation in the summer. We did not know that everybody in Charleston goes to mountain lakes and everybody for the summer, and then everybody at the Mountain Lakes come to Charleston. Um, we didn't know that it was so difficult to get and rent just a little place on any lake in the mountains of either South or North Carolina. Well, the time was drawing near, no reservations, and my wife said, if you were to take a vacation without me, what would you do? Where would you go? I'd say, oh man, I'd take the sailboat. Start heading down toward Buford and Hilton Head. He said, well, I'll go with you. Okay, so I don't have a luxury yacht. Um, it's comfortable, but it's pretty humble. Um, kind of like a pop-up camper, you know? Not a motorhome. And so we, we went. One day we were really looking forward to, because we were spending every night anchored, somewhere in a creek or a stream off the intracoastal waterway. And then we would get out of the intracoastal waterway and go out into the ocean for a bit, and then we'd come back in the intracoastal waterway to go down various rivers heading toward Hilton Head. One night we were really looking, one uh, day we were looking forward, we were going to wind up at Dataw Island Marina that had a great restaurant. And we were just a couple of days shy of our anniversary and said, this is going to be an anniversary meal. And to stay at a marina, we could get fresh showers and tidy up the boat a bit. Dataw uh, Island, by the way, by its position, is no more. Uh, it got wiped out with Hurricane Matthew, and they don't have plans to rebuild it. But it's a, it's a beautiful little marina. But it's notorious, notorious, famous, for squalls and storms that suddenly come up. And so the island is far in sight. I've got the sails lowered. I'm motoring along. We're sitting in the cockpit of the boat. Beautiful day. 
We've now come into a, 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 a tributary off the main river, so we, the shore's right over here. And then, out of nowhere, unpredictably, a squall. Visibility I couldn't see beyond two feet on either side of the boat. Could not see much beyond the bow or the stern. So immediately, Wendy had my iPad. We, we pulled up our, our map, and so she gets in the cockpit because now it's a cold rain sideways, throws me a, you know, a rain slicker. I'm putting it on as I'm holding the tiller, not wanting to run ashore or aground. No visibility. We could see it. Now we can't see it. She stands in the cockpit with my iPad, and I'm sailing by that. All I've got, all I've got in order to navigate in the storm is this map. If that had been the first time that I would looked at the map, I would have been in trouble. But I knew immediately as she's standing in the cockpit in the pouring rain, I mean the cabin doorway in the pouring rain, and I'm looking at that. That map alone, not the circumstances, not the storm. But in the storm, I'm focused now on this map that I'm practically memorized. But now it's showing me, all right, pull a little this way, go a little this way, a little more port. Yep, okay. And we managed to get very close, and then the storm lifted. Um, And we were there. What's my point? I didn't panic. I didn't, as I recall, I didn't yell at her. You know, blame shifting is always a great thing to, it's your fault, why did you make this storm? We kept going forward. But we had a resource that we were very familiar with that allowed me to keep my head in a storm. That's balance. She could see that on my face. I got very serious, but I wasn't afraid. I was focused, but I wasn't angry, and I wasn't worried. Again, no skill of the captain. It was that navigational chart right in front of me that gave me poise. That's what Solomon, in all of his wisdom, is saying. He's saying, you're going to have things that are off-putting in your life. Verse verse, uh, 6, There is a time and a way for everything although man's trouble lies heavy on him. This is referring back earlier where he says, you know, there's a a time to love and there's a time to hate. There's a time that you are going to be loved and a time that you're going to be hated. There's going to be a time for for war and there's going to be a time for peace. There's going to be a time for, for planting and growing, but there's also a time for uprooting. And he's saying... It's very burdensome. There are going to be times that it's going to be like a great weight heavy on your shoulders. He says in verse 7, you don't know what is to be and nobody can tell you how it will be. 
It could be next week. A disaster could strike. We have had member families. I think of the the Brown family whose son uh, recently passed away. I can remember Kyle calling and saying, please pray, I've just picked up my son from daycare with a fever, and we're off to the emergency room. Something's wrong. And it was meningitis. We don't know. We're, we're, we're taken by surprise. How will we react? I believe that everyone in this room either has a friend or maybe you're there right now. Where when the unexpected twist or turn, the unfairness or the injustice, the cruelty, the crisis comes up, instead of turning to the king and his wisdom, they turn away. They turn away. Solomon says, don't turn away. Keep the king's wisdom or keep the king's command, verse 2, because of God's oath to him. Romans 13 tells us that a part of God's oath being with the king is that let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. That means that in the workplace, that unfairness, or in the classroom, that injustice, or even in life circumstances, that God has placed authorities over us and that we can yield except in cases of immorality where they ask us to sin. We can trust in the dark the sickness of a child, even the death of a child. We can trust in the dark what we've learned in the light. But when it's dark, that's a difficult time to be looking for wisdom in the light. I know it's overly simplistic, But let me tell you what I, uh, Wendy and I, we've got four adult children, which I want to talk to some parents because it's like I've always said, well, I've got four young adult children. When do young adults become adults? Um, I mean, they still act like knuckleheads at times. But what I'm, the, the jag I'm on with my four children right now is this. This is a cookbook. This is the Bible. This tells you how to gather ingredients and cook a meal. This can be immediately looked to and applied. This takes a lifetime of learning. Because God gives us wisdom, not in a five easy step solution. I have people that that will say, Hey, listen, I started, I, you know, I, I, picked, I was in this crisis. I really need to know, God, how am I going to make it? How, what do you want me to do? And how do you plug this thing in? How do you make it work? 
I want God to tell me how. What Solomon is indicating, this is not a cookbook. What God does is He tells who. God shapes our character to give us poise. He shapes us and it becomes observable even to others that we are people who keep the king's wisdom. We are king's men and king's women. We don't trust our own counsel, particularly in crisis or unfairness or injustice. We hold in a storm to the direction of the true chart that comes from the king. And that takes a lifetime. We've got to be lifetime learners. So where are you? What is your daily practice or your weekly practice in keeping the king's wisdom? And in keeping the king's wisdom, yes, it's reading your Bible. But it's more than that. It's hanging on those words and it's meditating on them. I'd like to see a campaign at Two Rivers. Not for, and I, I, I'm all for the chronological Bible. Love it. Absolutely. That's Wendy's devotional guide. That's her practice. Mine is different. I'm all for it. But be careful. There is very little virtue. Yes, you get the, you get the breadth. You get the breadth of Bible knowledge. But I would like to see a campaign at Two Rivers where we read less, but we meditate more. We go for depth. And over as lifetime learners, disciples, you're going to begin to grow in wisdom. I'm going to stick with this first point before I conclude. And that is, a wise person trusts wise counsel to interpret the things of life. They don't simply... They, in fact, there's a distrust of self. If they find that they're facing situations and they're trying to figure it out on their own, they know that's not good. They seek the counsel of others. A wise Christian seeks other Christian men and women who in God's Word, meditating on God's Word, keeping the King's ways, can direct them. And counsel them. God gave Israel kings. And then to Christians. He gave the Holy Spirit. If you did not keep the king's command. Who the king was the king. God's man. Israel kings were different than every other king. You look at King David. And previous to that King Saul. God told Israel, he said, David is my man. He's a man after my own heart. He's a steward king. He, I am the true king and he knows it. And he yields to me. He draws from me. He takes the Urim and the Thummim and he takes the, the holy mantle. I mean, he goes to priest. He, he wants to, to know what is God want and desire. Will I be victorious? Shall I fight? Shall I stay? But not King Saul. King Saul was removed because 
He didn't wait on the Lord. He would be king. He would call all the shots. He led the nation very, very poorly because of it. But God gave Israel kings as his spokesman that he could rule over his people and all the circumstances of life. Well, what does he give us? And no, President Trump is not our king. He's a president. He's a representative, to be sure. Duly elected. But who's our king? You do have one. Your king is Jesus. And he speaks to our heart. He gives his commands through illumination. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with, I'm going to begin with verse, I'll begin with verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So when you become a born-again believer, God gives you the Holy Spirit. And what is He giving you? Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. God gives you wisdom. He gives you wisdom from King Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And this wisdom is said to be demonstrated in a revelation that's also known as illumination. Think about a light turning on in a dark room. That a light comes on and now I have knowledge of what? How to do life? Knowledge that will tell me whenever life twists or turns specifically what to do? No. Knowledge of God. Verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Remember, Solomon said the wise person's face shines. It's the same word. It's just in Greek here. Enlightened. My heart shines. My heart has a light turned on in it. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us? And it goes on to be what is called the longest sentence in the Bible. All of this wisdom, though, are the absolutes. It is the wisdom that is given to us is knowledge of who God is and who I am in relationship to Him. How salvation has come to me. And the benefits of eternal life, the promise, the hope that I have that one day this life like a vapor is going to be over. There will be no more turns or twists or injustices or unfairness. And the Apostle Paul would be joining Solomon in his wisdom in saying, um, 
in verse 9, all this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. He's saying, what I applied and I understood was I can still keep the king's commands, his absolutes, the things that I know absolutely, the certainties, the certainties that God has given me. That's wisdom. And now I can endure, survive, live, even laugh in the uncertainties of this life. I can face the uncertainties of life when God has given me wisdom. And the wisdom that comes to us through the Holy Spirit are the certainties of life, the absolutes. Who God is, who we are in relationship to Him, the promise of life to come. There are many, many more absolutes and certainties, but that, that is what comes to us from God's Word. And that allows us to face uncertainties because we can trust Him. We can trust that because we know who God is, He is sovereign, that our circumstances will not be sovereign. In fact, they can change because He is a sovereign, meaning king in control. My circumstances, though they may appear (coughs) to be in control, they are not. He calls this world, He doesn't call this world a huge complicated machine. He calls this world His footstool. He can move the footstool in a moment. He can change our circumstances in a moment. But if He does not, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Standing there on the verge of being tossed into the fire. Our God can save us. But if He does not, we're staying with God. We have learned that He can change circumstances. If not, then His will be done. Father, Jesus says in the garden, you can take this cup from me. You can take this cup. But if you will not, I yield to you, and off to the cross he goes. The crosses in our life? I have a prayer, and that is that I won't turn my sail away for the crosses that are ahead. And it is crosses, it's plural. The older you get, God's not done with the crosses in your life yet. Do you turn away? Do you turn away from those crosses? Or do you say, Father, I pray, and I'm going to do what I can to change these things, and then I'm going to pray and yield to you to change the rest. But if it does not, I know you can, but if you do not, then I accept that as your will. This cross, even for my good, for my character, and I will demonstrate with a joyful, trusting, calm poise, a witness of my face, that I will keep my head and I will keep you in this crisis. Lastly, verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 in essence says this. They are really, really good and prosperous things to happen to bad people. 
and you see it. They're in the neighborhood. And then there are really, really bad things to happen to righteous or really, really good people. What's your response? Verse 15, he says, I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given to him under the the sun. <clears throat> He's saying, when you've done all you can do, and when you are praying for what only God can do, then you can raise a glass and you can celebrate that you have a king on the throne who is sovereign over all of your life's circumstances, and circumstances are not going to steal your joy because they haven't stolen your king from you. That the king and his beauty from his sovereign reign over your life is greater than circumstances that seek to be sovereign and control your life. You don't allow circumstances to control your joy. Now again, you can't, I don't believe that you even get there overnight. And this is not pretend or plastic but is saying I know that my father knows and that is wisdom to be able to trust him with things I cannot change that have come into my life and to pray as I trust him with those things and then celebrate that I have such a king as this and that's wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask for that person right now that they would say, well, it sounds really well and good, but you don't know. You don't know the crisis that I'm in right now. You don't know how circumstances threaten not only to slow me down, but to undo me. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come now to that person? Jesus Christ, our King, would you speak to their heart's cry for direction, for trust in you in the dark, for endurance? Would you give them hope? Would you speak to them of the truths that will comfort and support them and allow them to rest? that you are God and you are in control. That we are but sheep and we are not in control. But we are your sheep. May we experience, may this person particularly experience, have a tangible experience of your shepherding care in the crisis right now. 
that you will lead them and show them the way to go such that they will be able even to toss their head back and laugh at the circumstances that they're in because you have drawn very near and you meet us in, those, in that place. And you abide with us and you shall lead us out. For the day will turn. Circumstances will change. It will not always be like this. And we have that promise because it's demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask that you would meet us at this table and meet us at the very point of our need, the need and the want for more of Jesus and His abiding Spirit in union with Him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.